All right, if you would take your Bible this morning and turn to Matthew 13. Gospel of Matthew and chapter 13. And I'm uh, going to read verses 1 through 23. Matthew 13, beginning at verse 1. Same day went Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside, and great multitudes were gathered together in him, so that he went into a ship and sat, the whole multitude stood on the shore. He spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. When he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places, where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up, because they had no deepness of earth. When the sun was up, they were scorched, because they had no root, they withered away. Some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But other fell into good ground, and brought forth fruit, some an hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. And the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest unto them? Notice, notice that. Now I speakest unto them in parables. He answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. For whosoever hath, to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken away even that he hath. There speak I to them in parables, because they seeing see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. And them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see, and shall not perceive. And notice, here's the reason. This people's heart is wax gross. Their ears are dull of hearing, their eyes they have, they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart and should be converted, and I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For verily I say unto you, that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which ye see, and have not seen them, and to hear those things which ye hear, and have not heard them. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When any one heareth the word of the kingdom, and understandeth it not, then cometh a wicked one, and catching away that which is sown in his heart, this is he which received seed by the wayside. But he that received the seed in stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and on with joy receiveth it. Yet hath he not root in himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. He also that receives seed among the thorns, is he that heareth the word and the cares of this world. And the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. But he that receiveth seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit, bringing forth some an hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. The title of the message this morning is Stillborn Professions of Faith. Stillborn Professions of Faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity and privilege we have to open your precious word. We thank you that we have a written record given to us with the very words of God, whereby we can have knowledge of God and know and understand the truth and receive the truth and inherit eternal life. 
Today, Father, I pray that you'd work on our hearts, open our minds and our hearts to receive thy truth. Give us wisdom and understanding into thy truth. And might you be glorified, might we be helped. Lord, I do pray if there's any in our midst this morning whose ears and eyes are closed, I pray that they'd be opened. I pray, Father, that the Spirit of God would work in their hearts and give them understanding. And I pray that they'd receive the truth and apply it to their lives. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, one of the things that we see here in Matthew 13 is Jesus starts speaking in parables. Now, parables is described by Way of Life Encyclopedia of the Bible in Christianity as, quote, a story told to illustrate a truth. Parable means to lay something alongside another, referring to a comparison or a similitude, which one thing is compared to another, especially spiritual things, with natural, by which means those spiritual things are better understood and make a deeper impression on an honest and attentive mind, unquote. And Jesus taught in parables uh, and to the Pharisees. He begins here in chapter 12. And, and, and really, I believe he began that because of, uh, I'm here in chapter 13, I'm sorry, because of in chapter 12. Chapter 12, I think there was a crossing line amongst the Pharisees where they, they credited the work of the Lord to the work of Beelzebub. And I believe that's the point at which the Pharisees finally in their minds determined it didn't matter what he said, it didn't matter what he did, they were not going to receive him. Therefore, he speaks to them in parables. Notice he says there, in fact, the disciples ask, why speaketh, verse 10, why speakest unto them in parables? And he gives the description of why in verses 10 or 11 through 16, or 15. He says, uh, because it's given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but it's to them it is not given. Whosoever hath, to him shall be given. So whosoever hath. Now, so you already have something. There's going to be more of that same thing given to you. So if you have eternal life, there's going to be more truth revealed to you. But if you don't have it, even what you have is going to be taken away from you. In other words, you're not going to ever understand. Therefore, verse 13, speak I to them in parables, because they seeing, see not, hearing, hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, who saith, By hearing you shall hear and shall not understand, seeing you shall see and shall not perceive. And verse 15 describes the heart of this people. For this people's heart is waxed gross, their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have they closed. So, so they have shut their eyes, they have closed their ears, they've closed their hearts to receiving the truth. They have determined that he needs to die. We need to get rid of him. We don't like him. So they're not going to accept the truth no matter what happens. And so he speaks to them in parables. And of course, this parable is simply an earthly story with a spiritual meaning or heavenly meaning. Now, we must not try to spiritualize or overstretch truths that we get from these parables. Uh, for example, Augustine, who was a great spiritualizer of the truth of the Word of God, you know, he's the, he was really the put Catholic doctrine down on paper. 
Anyway, Augustine, in the parable of the Good Samaritan, he saw the wounded man as Adam, the thieves as Satan and his devils, the beating of the man as a persuasion to sin, the binding of wounds as the restraining of sin, the inn as the church, and the innkeeper as the Apostle Paul. Now that's really stretching things, to say the least. No. A parable has usually one basic truth. And the truth of this parable is simply that the, the seed is the word of God and there are certain conditions required for man to receive the seed of the word of God and it did bring forth fruit. You know, in Luke chapter 8, verse 11, Luke, Luke tells us, and, and by the way, these, these, this parable is repeated in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. In Luke 8, verse 11, it says, Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. So the seed is the word of God. And as the word of God, the seed, is, you know, Christ is the living word. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And, and the Bible tells us in Peter, 1 Peter 1, that we're born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God. So, so again, it's referring to Christ, uh, you know, John five thirty nine, the Bible says, Search the scriptures from them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. So so the word of God and Christ are synonymous. They are the same thing. One's written, one's and you know there's you know the living word. And both both living word. Um, so so the seed is the word of God. And as a, as we think about this stillborn professions. One of the things I wanted to notice is in, in all, all three of these places, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, there's this word called, it's choke or choked. Notice verse 22. He also received seed among the thorns as he that heareth the word and the, care of the wor- cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. Now that word choke means to, to completely cut off. Uh, it is, it is, is the idea of, of, uh, of, of to choke utterly uh, the word that was sown. You know, it's, it's, it's used in like Matthew 13 here in verse 22, Mark 7, and also in Luke 18, 14. And the idea here is the, the, the Greek lexicon describes it as, as they are... Uh, to choke utterly the seed of the divine word sown in the mind, it's, it's used alike of fruits uh, and of pregnant women and animals bringing their young to maturity, referring to birth. So, so when you think about the word choked, and this is why I've entitled this stillborn professions of faith, when you think about the word choked, it, it's, it's like somebody getting ready to give birth and the life is choked, cut off. It's cut off. You know, Jesus said, except the corn of wheat fall on the ground and die, it bringeth forth fruit. So it'd be like a seed that's put in the ground and it starts to sprout. But I say, oh, oh, wait a minute, I, I, I don't want to, I, I don't want to give up my life. The seed don't want to give up its life. So it chokes the sprout. Now we know, you know, seeds don't do that. They may be dried up, as some are here on a stony place. Uh, 
But, but, but that seed has to die to bring forth fruit. And in this parable, you have four examples Jesus gives of illustrations of seed sowing, and only one, only one out of the four results in fruit bearing or real life. Now, that doesn't necessarily necessarily mean that in all situations, in all circumstances, in all places in the world, only one out of four persons will ever come to Christ. There are some places where it's less than that and some places where it's more than that. But what it does teach us is there is some required preparations of the heart before a person can be truly born again. You know, I... One of the things that's, that's, of course, troubling in our society, in independent Baptist churches, in our world, is you hear of people that grew up in church, good churches, made professions of faith, and they become adults. They completely forsake the commands of God. Many of them, if you talk to them, would say, would, 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 you know, very adamantly profess that they accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior. And yet, there's no fruit. I was in a house the other day of a situation that I'm quite familiar with. These people were drug addicts. I've witnessed to several of them, and, you know, they, oh, yeah, they know they need to get right with the Lord, and they know, you know, and they made this profession back then, this time, and, you know, they talked to this preacher, and one of them said he talked to this Baptist preacher, and so I was going through this house that they've all moved out of. It's just tore up. You know, everything's tore up. And, you know, and the, and the, the, the thought went through my mind, what drives people? to do the things, to leave a house in the situation that it's in. I mean, it looks like they took sharp instruments and just punched holes in mattresses and just tore things all to shreds and, you know, kicked in walls and doors and whatever. And, and then I, I go out on the porch and there's a book by evangelist Billy Graham. You know, the two don't go together, or do they? Or do they? You see, in the parable that Jesus gave here, there are lots of professions. But there's not much or many that come to life. And so... As we think about this this morning, I want to look at several things. First of all, this new life requires a prepared soil. You know, in this, in this parable, he speaks of four states or conditions of a person's heart and their reaction to the gospel. We have, of course, the, the wayside hearer in verses 4 and verse 19. 
Verse 4 says, And when he sowed some seeds, they fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Uh, verse 19 also says, When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom, and understandeth it not, then cometh a wicked one, and catch away that which is sown in his heart. So, you know, this is the way, you know, he's got kind of a closed mind. He's not really interested. They, give, they might listen to you, but they don't give any heed to it. It's only surface, and it's kind of trodden. The seed is just you know, trodden underfoot. Uh, it's, it's like throwing you know, grain out on a highway and expecting it to grow. You know, and these people could be religious. These, these people that Jesus was speaking to were religious. They were the Pharisees. They were the fundamentalists of the day, the legalists of the day. They had many religious practices which they conformed to and and adhered to. But Jesus simply said unto them, Matthew 23, 15, Woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. For you compass sea and land to make one a proselyte. In other words, a convert, and when he is made, you make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. So, you know, they weren't really open to the gospel, to the truth. We have also the stony ground, verses 5 and, five and 6, and also verses 20 and 21. I'll just read verses 20 and 21. It says, But he that receives seed in stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and on with joy receiveth it. Yet hath he not root in himself, but doeth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth, because the word, by and by, he is offended. Offended. This is what you might call an emotional experience. Easily excited, very enthusiastic. Uh, but their hold of the gospel is only superficial. It's only on the surface. There's not, there's not root. Uh, as it says here in verse 21, Yet hath he not root in himself. There's no root in them. There's no depth of faith. There's no real surrender uh, or understanding of the character of God that those things are lacking. And so when temptations or persecutions or the trials of life arise and, 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 and they've got to put their faith into practice and, and apply biblical truths and face hard things that are difficult for the flesh to accept. That's when they say, I didn't sign up for this. They're offended. He said they're offended. The word offended means to cause a person to begin to distrust and desert one whom he ought to trust and to obey. You know, it means another, another it means to disapprove of what hinders me from acknowledging one's authority. You know, a lot of times these people say, well, I ain't having anybody tell me what to do. You know, I've seen things on Facebook pages. You know, why don't people, you know, one of the things we don't need is people telling us how to live. That's a rebellious attitude. You know, you're always going to have somebody telling you what you're going to do, what you're not going to do. Unless you want to go to an island somewhere and live by yourself. And provide for yourself, and you know, 
I mean, you, you have a work, you, you, you work a job, you're going to have somebody telling you what you're going to do, or what you're not going to do. Or you'll find another job somewhere else, and they're going to tell you what to do and what not, you can't do. Or you'll find another job, but finally you aren't going to have a job. Many times these people, they want to be free from problems. They've got problems, and so they come in, and they, and they want, they want to, to be free from their problems, but they don't want to live a crucified life. That's not in the game plan. They just want to be free from the problems. Somebody has said, quote, violent emotion is a sign of shallowness, and it never lasts. But the tender heart, disposes to moral thoughtfulness, and where that is, the feeling is permanent, unquote. You know, sometimes people have real problems in life, and so they want to think they're going to go to God to, to get rid of their problems. But they don't want to then apply the principles of the Word of God. You know, it's like people come to church. Oh, I, I, I need help financially. And so, you know, we, we now have this questionnaire that, you know, it, it requires them to write down what sources of income or money they have and what they're doing with it. And all of a sudden, <laughs> they don't have a money problem. You know, they don't need money anymore. They don't want a solution. They just want somebody to bail them out. You know, salvation is not a bailout of hell card. It's not what it is. There are those, the thorny, he describes a thorny ground, verse 22. He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. This is one who's preoccupied. He's got the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, the pleasures of life, and these supersede the word of the Lord. And I, I believe a good example of this is the rich young ruler. He was occupied with the things of the world. And the Bible says that these, that, that, that these choke the word. And, and again, that means to utterly cut off. Be like a stillborn child, to cut off its life. Instead of it being brought forth to maturity or out into life, it dies before it's born. Go to Matthew, or Luke, or John chapter 12. I made reference to this earlier, but in John chapter 12 and verse 24 through 26. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it. He that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto eternal life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me, and where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. So he says, he that saveth his life shall lose it. You know, with a typical salvation offering in an independent Baptist church, what is there to give up?
You're dying yourself. You know, Bible salvation is dying to self and resurrecting to, no, to new life. Or living life led and controlled by the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what Romans 6 is all about. Buried with him in baptism, like as Christ was raised up from the dead, even so should we also walk in newness of life. You know, when people come to me to be baptized, I, one of the questions I ask them is, are you willing to die to you? Are you willing to resurrect to live for Christ? If not, you're not ready to be baptized. You haven't surrendered your life to God. You haven't really understood what salvation is. You know, as parents, we need to impress upon our children by our example that spiritual things are more important than temporal. They're more important. Hearing the word of God is important. Tithing is important. Faith promise giving to missions is important. Pleasing the Lord in daily life is important. Being holy in all manner of conversation for God is holy is important. You know, the rich young ruler, of course, came to Jesus, came running. He was very eager. Very eager. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus started saying, you know, keep the commandments. Honor your father and mother. Now, all these have I done since my youth up. And then Jesus said, sell all that you have, come follow me, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. You know, there's one commandment he didn't say, quoted as it's written, thou shalt not covet. But when he said, sell all thou hast, come follow me, that's what he was saying, thou shalt not covet. Have you kept that commandment? But he defined for him what that commandment meant. And the reality is, the rich young ruler wasn't willing to make Jesus, make the Lord Jesus, Lord of his money. He wanted to keep control of part of his life. He wasn't giving his wealth to the Lord's direction. And so he went away sorrowful. He had choked. He had choked the seed of the divine word. You know, I'm afraid that sometimes children who are pressured by parents, Sunday school teachers, children's church, into making a profession of faith in Christ. After all, it makes them look good. Is what many expect from a children's ministry is, you know, we need to get these kids saved. And so, you know, they go through this simple salvation, you know, one-size-fits-all salvation plan, and, and these kids make profession, and then we give them false assurance by telling them when they got saved, what they did to get saved, and then we show them the Bible that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And one more then they grow up and can't seem to live for God and forsake the commands of God, but all they're saved because mom and dad said so. 
we need to understand that parents, Sunday school teachers, pastors cannot give assurance of salvation. You can't give anybody assurance of salvation. Only God can do that. 1 John 1.7 says, But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanseth us from all sin. See, as we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. In other words, we're talking about fellowship with Christ. Not just with each other, but with Christ. Chapter 2 of 1 John, verse 3. Hereby we do know that we know Him. Let's talk about assurance. If we keep His commandments, He that saith, I know Him, and keepeth not His commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in Him. But whoso keepeth His word in Him, verily the love of God is perfected. Hereby... Know we that we are in Him. See, how do I know I'm saved? Because the Spirit of God bears witness with my spirit because I walk in fellowship with God. And if I don't walk in fellowship with God, I'm not going to have the witness of the Spirit. I'm not going to have assurance of salvation. Because it's God that gives assurance of salvation. Then there's a fourth, of course, the good ground. In verse 23, he says, But he that receiveth seed in the good ground is he that heareth the word, and here's the key word, understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some an hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirty. Notice, not everybody bears the same amount of fruit. Now, you don't find the same, you, you can have four apple trees in an orchard, the same kind, and some trees will bear more fruit than others. He was at Memorial Day, and the Welches have blueberry bushes, and there's some that are bearing fruit, and there's some that are just got a little bit on. You know, they're not all the same. But there is some fruit. The key is, understandeth it. Understand. So to understand... In fact, the word heareth, there's a word heareth there also. The word hearing means to understand, to perceive the sense of what is said. But the word understandeth means this. To put it as it were, the perception with the thing perceived, to set or join together into mind. It means to perceive the meaning and to comprehend. I know what you mean. That's kind of the idea. I know what you mean. In John chapter 3, of course, Jesus is speaking, speaking to Nicodemus. And you know, he told Nicodemus, you must be born again. And of course, Nicodemus did not understand. He did not comprehend. And so Jesus explained further to him, and, and I'm not going to read the whole chapter for the sake of time, but, but uh, in verse 5, 
Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit. So you need a physical birth, you need a spiritual birth. He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Nor without that I said unto thee, Ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh or whither it goes. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. So the spiritual birth is like the wind. You, you can hear it, but you can't see it. But you can see the effects of it. I mean, if we get a, when we had a tornado come across here, I mean, we heard it. I, we couldn't see the tornado. Now, you know, the tornado is just air swirling. You won't see it, but you'll see the debris that's in it. That's what you'll see. Because it gets cloudy because of the dirt and stuff that it picks, it picks up dirt, you know, dust. And, and, you know, if it's bad enough, it'll, it'll pick up, you know, a lot of buildings and move them. But it, 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 we saw the effects of that. And that is, that is a picture of the spiritual birth. Uh, it's born of the Spirit. And, and so, so, so uh, a person needs to be born of the Spirit. He needs to understand, he needs to comprehend. You know, he needs to have a heart that's prepared, that's willing to receive the truth. You know, in Luke 8 and verse 15, he talks about an, an, an honest and good heart. You know, Matthew 13 here, Jesus described the heart of the Pharisees as wax gross, dull of hearing, eyes closed. But Luke describes there the disciples and those like them as those that have a good and honest heart. It's sort of like preparing soil for a garden. You know, Jeremiah 4, 3 says this, For thus saith the Lord to men of Judah and Jerusalem, Break up your fallow ground, and sow not among thorns. Now, fallow ground is untilled or uncultivated ground. You know, you don't just take your plants. You know, Howard didn't take them tomato plants and just set them on top of the ground. No, he tilled up the ground. He prepared a place for them. You know, that took time, and it took effort. It took, it required preparation. You know, for a person to truly be born again requires some preparation. It requires some preparation. You know, they have to have their hardness of heart has to be broken up. They have to be willing. They have to be honest with themselves. See themselves as God sees them. Lost sinners deserving of the judgment of God. They have to see God as the holy and righteous God. See the Lord Jesus Christ as the Lord Jesus Christ. Not just as a man, but as God, as the Lord, the Master. That they need to surrender to.
Go to, in fact, go to Luke chapter 8. I want, I want you to notice something here. Luke chapter 8 and verse 15. <clears throat> but that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it. There's a keeping. In other words, they take hold of it or they take possession of it. They make it theirs. You know, Jesus said in John 10, 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they what? They follow me. They make me their shepherd. They make me their shepherd. You know, if you make a person your shepherd, you, fo- you know, when a sheep, when a sheep becomes a, a part of a sheepfold, that they follow their shepherd. He, call, he doesn't chase them. He didn't go running after them. He doesn't force them to do anything. Like you can't force sheep to do anything. No, they follow me. They follow me. So they take possession. They take hold up. And it says there, and bring forth fruit with patience. The word patience means perseverance or endurance. You know, Matthew 10.22 says this, He that endureth to the end shall be saved. Now, I've heard preachers, fundamental preachers say, that's talking about the tribulation. So I guess in the tribulation you can lose your salvation. No, it's not talking about the tribulation. It's talking about being truly born again. The Bible mentions that several times. He that doeth the end shall be saved. See, many try to justify those who do not bear fruit by saying that refers to tribulation. Look at Matthew chapter 7. Matthew 7. Verse 15 through 20. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are raving in wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men have the grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast in the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. You know, Jesus, one of the times he was coming into Jerusalem from Bethany with his disciples, came to a fig tree hoping to find fruit thereon because he was hungry. And the fig tree had nothing but leaves. No fruit. You remember what he did to it? He cursed it. You know, if there's no fruit, it's cursing. See, those that receive the word of God that understand it, there will be life that will be seen. Just like you can hear the wind, you don't see the wind, you can't look at me and say, oh yeah, he's born again. No, you look at things I do, things I say, places I go. That's the evidence you look for. It's called fruit. I can't look 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 at you and say, 
oh yeah, that person's born again, that person's born again because they got this uh, halo around them somewhere. No. Look at Matthew 10. Matthew 10. 32 and 33. Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. Whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny me before my Father which is in heaven. Do you confess the Lord to a lost and dying world? No, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not even asking, do you go out and witness? But when you're at work and in everyday life, does your life testify by your actions, your conduct, your kind of words you use, the, 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 kind of, uh, you know, the way you dress and so on, your attitude? Does it, does it confess that I am a child of God? Are there things that people may try to get you to do that you say, no, I, I won't do that. I'm a Christian. Or are you ashamed? So those who receive the word of God, they bear fruit. They bear witness by word and life. Second thing we see here is those who hear and give heed will continue to receive more truth. Notice, notice in our text in verse 18, or verse, uh, verse 18, Verse 12, whosoever hath, to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken away, even that he hath. When a person rejects the truth or walks away from the truth, They seem to forget the things they were taught, the things that they espoused to believe, and all of a sudden they all go out the window. You know, I've heard many pastors say this. Yes, people left our church, and I can't believe where they went. Yeah, they left an independent Baptist church over something that usually is maybe a standard or some form of separation. And, and, you know, I remember one particular church here, you know, it was a couple hours from here, and, you know, they got this new pastor in, and he, he took a pretty strong stand, and there was quite a few people left. And this is what he said. It's unbelievable where they went. They went to denominational churches that don't even believe the Bible. Don't believe in inspiration of Scripture. Or just all they are are social clubs. But see, those who have, who receive the word of truth, that they hang on to it, take it as theirs, 
they'll be given more truth. You see, the more truth you accept, or the more truth you, you, you take possession of, or grasp, the more truth God's going to give you. You know, Brother Dave's been doing this bird business for how long? 20 years? 13 years? Okay. You know, he has learned things. He's learned a lot of things in 13 years how to be more successful in having, a, having less, losing less birds year by year. By doing Learning things, what's, what's, see, see, the more he invests himself in that, the more he learns. Same is true in the Bible, in spiritual life. If you embrace the truth, God's going to give you more truth. But if you reject the truth and turn away from it, you'll forget even what you have. Some of you know people who are espousing things that are far, far out there. And you're saying, like, I can't believe it. And I know people like that. You know what the problem is? They've rejected the truth. And they have, they have lost even that they had. And they probably said at some time, at some point in their life, I would never do that. But they're doing it. Because they were stillborn. They really didn't have the truth in their own heart. Go to Hebrews. This, this, is, this is taught in Hebrews chapter 6. It's the same principle. Now I'm about finished here. But Hebrews 6. Verse 1. Therefore leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God. The doctrine of baptisms, the laying on of hands, and the resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. This will we do if God permit. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened, those who have received the word of God with joy, okay, once enlightened, tasted of the heavenly gift, they, they were under conviction of the Spirit of God, were partakers of the Holy Ghost, uh, have tasted the good word of God, the powers of the world to come, so they understood the judgment of God, something about judgment, if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucified themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shade. For the earth, which drinketh in the rain that cometh often upon it, and bringeth forth herbs, meat for them, by whom it is dressed, or whom it is prepared, receiveth blessing from God. So those who, in their good heart, take possession of the truth, and go on with it. Embrace it as their own. Make it their own. And continue in the word. 
receiveth blessing from God. But with that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected. And it is nigh unto cursing whose end is to be burned. See, a person can hear the truth and they can you know, give an impression that they want it, like it, make a profession. But Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. It may take root for a little while, but be then choked out. In other words, they're not really brought to the place where they surrender or fully repent and surrender. Just like the, the rich young ruler. He wanted it. He wanted to know that he had eternal life. He wanted to have assurance of that. And he was so close, so close, and yet so far away. So, yes. When Jesus describes here in Matthew 13, is there are many who make professions. You know, in John chapter 2, after Jesus turned the water into wine, there were many, the Bible says, who believed in him. And they were even talking about making him a king. But the Bible says Jesus knew, did not commit himself unto them because he knew what was in man. They wanted a king. But they really didn't want a savior and lord. They wanted a king for temporal reasons. They didn't want to deny themselves and take up their cross and follow him. Many of these have made professions and gone to the world. They want a savior. They want a fire escape. But they don't want to deny themselves and take up their cross and follow him. I don't want to give up my life. Jesus says you give up your life and you'll save it. You save your life and you'll lose it. Don't the one that is choked or stillborn. Understand and keep his word.